Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Luke 2. Wake up, wake up, wake up. It's Christmas. Okay, not really. It's not Christmas Day, but it is time to wake up and read in the scripture the most popular uh, version in the Bible, the record we have of what we would call the Christmas story. Today we are reading Luke 2. And of course, this is probably a passage of scripture that you are very familiar with because you probably encounter it every year around Christmas time. So you know the story of the shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night and the angels arriving. But what we want to do today is not really think about a one particular aspect or just read this on a Christmas morning like maybe you do with your family before you open the presents. Uh, what you want to do today is just Okay, what is God saying in this passage? And how does this fit into Luke's gospel? And obviously that will bring us to the Christmas story as we read uh, Luke 2. So it starts with uh, this news that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Well, who's that? That's the most powerful man in the world. Uh, Really, he's one of the most powerful men that has ever lived in the amount of influence that he had over the world at that time. And uh, there's a lot of history in this passage, but basically the short of these first seven verses is God uses this pagan yet influential king to set in motion events that lead Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem so the Messiah will be born exactly where God had said he would be born. And that's something Luke doesn't spell it out explicitly, but we know from Micah, the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And what Luke has made clear is that, hey, this baby is the son of David, even the promised son of David. And even in these verses, you see it make you may you see it made clear that they're going to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. So even before he calls it Bethlehem, he calls it the city of David because he was of the house and lineage of David. So here, this son of David is born in Bethlehem. Why? Well, because of this king. And what do we know is behind that? God. God orchestrated the events of the world to, to, to fulfill prophecy. And there's even just a takeaway from that. We need to remember that God still is the King of Kings. God is in control and he will use human rulers, even though they may be pagan and wicked, to accomplish his ends. But really, that that sets things up. The, the meat of this story, even if you just read Luke's account and see where he puts the emphasis, it is uh, more on what happens with the angels and the shepherds. Uh, the beginning part is very matter of fact. The, these are the events that happened. The appearance of the angels to the shepherds give us more insight into the significance of the significance of the events that happened, where you see the shepherds, they're out keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. 
And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So here you see the message that is given, and it is clear a mess, clearly a message of joy. This is good news of great joy for all the people. And what is it? Well, for unto you is born this day in the city of David. Again, notice that emphasis on the city of David. That's like it's supposed to be a clear, important detail. This is the son of David, a savior who is Christ. He is the Messiah. Uh, The Messiah Lord has been born in the city of David. This is great news. And then there's a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Uh, They give glory to God. And when we understand that, the people with whom God is pleased, there is a peace among those who have been reconciled to God through this Savior who was born in the city of David. And then the shepherds go, they see things exactly as they are, and they return rejoicing. So there, I think, is the big headline of Luke 2. It's good news of great joy. There has been born a Savior in the city of David. The Messiah has been born. And that's a message that should glorify God and give peace uh, to everyone with whom the Lord is pleased. So even you today, 2,000 years later, on the other side of the world, you can know a real peace that comes from knowing God sent the Savior, just like He promised He would. God, again, He keeps His promises. That's something we're seeing here at the beginning of Luke. It was said a Savior would come. It was said it would be born in the city of David. He was, and He is here, and there is rejoicing. I love how it describes Mary's response to all of these things. In verse 18, it says, All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary treasures up all that she is seeing here. And I think that actually is a great model for us. I once got to speak about this passage on uh, Christmas morning when it was on Sunday morning. And uh, I use the illustration of th- thinking of the things that you treasure, even just in your home. Think of your dishes. You know, where do you put your fine china? I've got young kids. Um, and, and so we put their stuff down on the lower shelves because that's all plastic and cheap. And if they take that out and sling it across the room, eh, it's not going to cause any problems. And I'm also a millennial, so we don't really have fine china, so to speak. But we collect coffee mugs from places we go and, and get those as souvenirs. Well, we keep our coffee mugs that all have significance to us and different memories from different places. We keep those up on a high shelf. We treasure those. And we don't want them to be touched by our kids. And we put them out of the way where you can stand and open up the cupboard and and think, oh, which mug do I want to drink from today? And that's a picture I think we should all think of when we think of this idea of treasuring in and pondering what God has done for us. Every day we should open up the storehouse of God's goodness in our lives and look at all of our memories of the things that God has done. And we should ponder 
them. And clearly, that should include things like this. You should remember what happened at the incarnation of Christ and what that means to you, how that matters for you. That without the birth of Christ in the city of David, you would still be lost. That's something to treasure in your heart. And then, of course, you have ways where you can say, man, the one who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. Ways he's been faithful to you, how he has saved you. You should ponder those in your heart and treasure them in your heart. So Mary really gives us a good example of that. Now, we see some more significance really on what, what, what does it mean for Jesus to be born in the rest of the chapter. And you see some of the significance of the Messiah coming, but you start to see uh, more of, of what that will mean. You get introduced to this guy named Simeon. It comes and it, it says that uh, the Holy Spirit had made it clear to him that he would not see death before he had seen the, seen the Lord's Christ. So we don't know how old Simeon was. It's not saying he was 200 years old because he lived long. No, it just says he he was told he wouldn't die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he clearly recognizes Jesus as the Christ. And he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Uh, So you see, He is clearly understanding what is going on. And remember, Luke, probably writing to a more Gentile audience, even highlights that this man understands that Jesus being born is good news, not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. But we also see this good news of great joy is not going to be received by everyone. And you see that in verse 34, where Simeon says to Mary, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This baby, he's going to grow up to be controversial, and there are many that will rise, really because of faith in this Messiah, there are many of those who will fall, because they will be opposed to this Messiah. And clearly, you've read through Matthew and Mark now, you know that that is going to come true, and you know that Mary is going to have to watch her son be crucified. So we start to see the seeds of, okay, it's good news of great joy, but not everyone is going to receive that. And then you see the story of Anna, uh, who is an old widow, who is devoted to the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And in verse 38, it says, And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So she clearly understands and sees the significance of this. But then what we see is even Jesus understands the significance of of this. He uh, even shows awareness of who he is and, and what his mission is in this story at the end. And again, it's a familiar story. Jesus is left behind in Jerusalem, but the punchline really does come at the end where he says, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And you see, he shows even a sense of disbelief. Like Joseph Mary Didn't you know where to look for me? If you came back to Jerusalem, why didn't you come straight to the temple? Shouldn't you have known that I was in my father's house? And so you see this amazing uh, development at the end of this chapter where Jesus is very clear even at this early age of who his father is. And 
But you also see he was submissive to his parents. Verse 51, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and Nazareth and was submissive to them. And again, and his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. So we see a lot about Jesus there. And, and there is so much cause for rejoicing. Good news, people. Merry Christmas, everyone. A Savior has been born in the city of David. He is Christ. He is Messiah. He is the Lord. And in response to that, you today should treasure up in your heart the goodness of God that you see in the incarnation of Christ and also just the goodness that God has shown you in every way in your life. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.